Hello, welcome back to the Bits and Pieces podcast. This is episode number two, and this time I am joined by Mr. Gav. Hello. I forgot what your last name was, Gav. My, my last name is McNaughton. Um, that's it. I was like, it's Max something. I'm an extremely was... important person. That's racist. Just because I... <laughs> it's true, but just because I'm Scottish. Does it show that we've never met each other? <laughs> It was just a bit I remembered. I'm yeah, so no. sorry. And I'm also joined by George. Hello. His last name I've also forgotten. Barker? Baker? Barker. Baker. Barker. 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 Ah, I'm useless. I'm Nevada Drew, and uh, I'm a useless human being. <laughs> um, how are we doing, guys? Uh, how are we doing? Pretty good. I'm trying not to melt in the endless heat that is this relentless, slightly too warm for comfort heat wave that has struck the UK. Yeah. I've taken my trousers off. Well, I mean, for you, isn't that, you know, in London, isn't that about actually like 25-odd degrees? Actually hot? Well, I mean, for me, it's anything kind of over 19 degrees. I don't I don't really like warm temperature. Uh, it's probably snowing in Scotland. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's we still consider it warm. Um, no, it's it's like, I don't know, what, like 15 degrees? And that, that is pretty warm. I am distinctly uncomfortable. Anytime it goes over 20, I feel like just making an igloo and just dying inside of it <laughs> yeah i'm i'm kind of in the middle so and it's 21 degrees according to google at the moment so oh, wow it's, i much prefer it when it's winter because it's nice to wrap up warm and be cozy and in the summer it's just sticky and uh, you can you can do something about cold it's very difficult to do something about the heat yeah you can tell yeah. we're all just miserable bastards who hate going outside I, well, I like going outside. I just prefer it when it's not really. really I just want to go outside on my terms. <laughs> I suppose actually it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't so like humid and sticky. It's like so muggy at the moment. I, I wouldn't mind if it was kind of more of a dry heat. <laughs> That's how I like my heat, guys. Yeah, if, we were, if we were out in the desert, right. yeah, <laughs> no complaints. Then this um, has been anyway, the podcast. Please join <laughs> yes. back where we will go over the shipping forecast. <laughs> <laughs> oh god right okay um so what i realized i didn't do last time recorded the podcast was actually introduce who we are properly so do you guys want to lead off with who you are what sort of games you like maybe and um yeah we'll go with that because i was like this is the site and then assume people knew what our names and who we are was anyway uh george go first well, I think we're we're a bunch of people that just dislike describing ourselves, so that's why our about section had a meet the team section that I've now had to delete because no one wrote, wrote anything. <laughs> it was just some names, wasn't it? it was, I it kept was meaning to come back to it. <laughs> I really wanted to do like a really funny. Uh, well, it's it's hidden for now, part. so perhaps yeah. we'll describe ourselves in more detail. But I'm George. I'm in London, and like everyone else, I play games, mostly board games at the moment, but enough game video games to pass myself off as someone that plays video games you meet the minimum yeah the minimum quota cool how about you gavin um i'm gavin i'm from aberdeen in scotland um i uh i read a lot of books but also i play video games um i i don't know what like what kind of games do i like um i don't know i i i Mm. I should just make humming noises for like the next ten minutes, like try to think about it. I don't know what like 
Uh, I'd say maybe my favorite developer is Platinum Games because I like stupid, goofy games where you beat up robots. That's a good choice. That's um, a good choice. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's all you need to know. I have a pretty wide interest, but um, yeah, cool. I don't know. Cool. Okay, so me, uh, I'm Nevada Drew or Nevi, and um. Let's see, I live in near Leeds. Well, I've just moved house, actually. I live in somewhere called Steeton now, which is basically just in some woods by a hospital. Um, so you really need in life, woods and hospitals. Um, and game-wise, uh, listening back to last week's podcast, uh, I'm terrible at shooters. Uh, it's just just bad at them. It's just hard. There's lots of things happening, and it's, it's tiring. Uh, I play a lot of RPGs and stuff like that, and discovered now that i'm way more into super chill games so <laughs> things that move quickly uh, i'm just getting old is what i've discovered just getting old um so yeah that's me we we all run the site together bits and pieces dot games and yes it's all thoroughly not democratic what's the word it's not good communist good. <laughs> great it's yeah it's all good there we are thoroughly wonderful it's all good <laughs> it doesn't need to be any sort 100% of possible. System. Yeah, awesome. Well, I mean, along with the heat that lets us know it's summer, there's also another feature that is indicative of the season, and that is, of course, the summer steam sale. That is true. This is true. The uh, the spectre that waddles into the beheated hell of my life and grabs my wallet and empties it of money and replaces it with pain so i'm hearing here gav is that you bought a lot of games on the steam side like okay i'm, I'm over egging it this year but in previous years it has been very bad um right i think there's a downward trend in the number of games i'll buy in a steam sale usually yeah generally i was good nice. this year but i, I bought nothing not a single wow. game jesus i looked at a lot and added lots to my wish list um I didn't buy a single thing. I feel like it's probably because I bought stuff in the Christmas sale and I haven't played a single one of them. It's a, and now it's July. It's a bit like so. I feel like there's there's almost too many sales nowadays. But I feel like it, there's also like a tipping point. I find like, you know, you'll see one thing that really tempts you, and you'll just be like, oh, I'll just get let's get the one game, and then you add it to your basket, and then, you know, you see another game, and you're like, you know, it's just you know, it's just a few quid. How can it hurt? And then you get like Steam sale <laughs> fever, and then. It's like I will, you know, I'll stick under fifty quid, and you get to fifty pound, and you realise you've got a whole bunch of their their stupid mini game cards, and you're like, All right, okay, under under a hundred, I'll I'll stay under a hundred this year, and you're just like adding <laughs> game after game after game, and then at the I end, I think I've ever spent that. I mean, I've, like I think I've probably spent twenty quid as a maximum in Steam sale. Jesus, I, I feel Steam, Steam sales are a lot like going to kind of like Poundland. It's like, well, I might as well get the knockoff a whole load of polos <laughs> and. <laughs> That's a that's a weird off box of Weetabix that looks like real Weetabix, but is in a kind of slightly weird shape. But it's only a pound, so that's true. You can get a lot of a lot of good games from maybe maybe last year, maybe it's got a couple of years ago for just a a bargain price, or you can buy like games from this year for like thirty percent off on the basis that you really want to play them. So yeah. So yeah. you didn't get anything, Nevi, but what, what did you get, Gav? I ended up... I only bought two games, so I've, I've totally over-egged it. I've exposed myself as a complete liar and fraud, uh, <laughs> willing to exaggerate for effect. Um, I bought Nier Automata, and I bought One Shot. I've played a wee bit of Nier. 
after struggling to get it running properly and in the right resolution and at a passable frame rate and stop crashing um <laughs> it's a pretty good game so far cool it looks interesting it they it is a it's a thoroughly weird game. I don't know if you've ever played any of the Drakengard games or the last Nier game. Oh, I have. Yeah, so good Drakengard games. I've not played. I think I played the ones on the PS2. Did they release one outside of that? I feel like there was a third game that I seem to have um, forgotten about. There was. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I think there was a third Drakengard game for the PS2. Was like, was there right? Yeah, the Drakengard's like, a bit like Dynasty Warriors, but you can turn into a dragon. Yeah, that's always how I kind of describe it to people. And it's really, really weird. But like, yeah. The, the wonderful thing about Nier is it's like, like especially this one, the new one, um, is that it's it's like, it's like the de- the developer Yoko Taro. It's like his incredibly like bizarre artistic sensibility combined with uh, Platinum Games, who can actually really develop a, a good solid video game. Mm. This is Nier Automata. Yeah. You play uh, robots, and. You fight other robots, really. It's, it's a it's an RPG, right? Um, kind kind of not really. It's more of like well, an action game. Slash, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. It's got some like leveling. There some, as I say, isn't there some bullet hell segments? As yeah, well? the, there's bullet hell segments, and there's bits That's where it so turns weird. into like a top down shooter, and yeah, it's a it's really weird. Um, mm. and I've not even got to like the properly weird bits yet. But my other question is, what, have you played any of One Shot yet? Because I've played that and I thought it was great. I've played like, I, I was like, okay, I need to actually prepare a bit to to talk about it here because I bought it. And I played like an hour of it before the podcast. And right. I really want to play more of it. That's my plan for this evening because... It's, there's some really clever little things. Yeah. yeah I just got to the bit where I had to, had to search what, my own documents folder. Um, it's like a, it's like a kind of a indie puzzle game adventure game except uh rather than playing the the main character specifically uh i don't really want to spoil too much of it because it's like even like an hour in it's like element of surprise but yeah like okay but it's like it's a a puzzle game it's kind yeah like like a bit like a puzzle game bit of an adventure game i don't think there's any combat in it like but no no it's kind of you walk around you solve puzzles and talk to people and Explore the world and try and understand what's really going on. Yeah. Right, it's really cute though, and um, it's just there's, it's one of those games that you're like, there's not quite anything that does anything like this. Yeah. So it's yeah, I'd say it's worth playing just for that, and it's nice and short as well, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm. Like I feel like with the gimmicks it uses, they could become tiresome. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those games that's really hard to talk about without spoiling bits of it. So yeah, but then I was gonna write an article on it, but then I was like, <laughs> you, like you just say it's good, <laughs> like you can't really always say why without going into details. Uh, but know that it's I've got, I give it a shining endorsement anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to play some more of it, Gab. Yeah, think, it, like that, I think that'll take up my evening at least until it's finished. If you say it's short, um, but like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, yeah, it's just it's just a bit weird. I don't know how much it costs normally, but I didn't pay that much for it in the sale either. I think I got it for like like a five or something. But, yeah, that's probably sounds about right. Yeah, maybe no more than a tenner normally. I think. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. What did you get, George? I was thinking about this, and I thought I hadn't got that much, but I think I got about six games quite cheaply. All right. Mm. And I'm and I'm struggling through what they are. <laughs> I know I picked up the met both the Metro games. 
Well, they're pretty good. So, yeah, because I've been playing the first one. Um, and I'm not very far in, about an hour in, but it's kind of bleak, post-nuclear apocalypse Russia. Uh, and you're in the subway system. Yeah, very atmospheric. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's uh, reminds me a tiny bit of uh, the film Snowpiercer, just in that I guess it has a similar aesthetic yeah, yeah. of the of the back of the train, that kind of mm-hmm. grim, cramped survival conditions. Yeah, totally. As everyone kind of lives in the subway, and there's a. Uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, there's. You, you live basically you're living in this sub uh in like a subway station and lots of the different subway stations are kind of different factions in this world and then suddenly these mysterious mutants that are more powerful than other mutants start attacking uh i can't remember their name but uh-huh. it has a similar sort of nuclear post-apocalypse thing of like the surface world is a bad place to be and there are lots of mutant dogs yeah uh, and now there are these other mutants that stand upright and they're by people, but give you nightmares and do weird psychological things when you go near them. Yeah, it has some... I've only played the first one, but it has some really good, like, psychologically horror bits in it, where, like, normally you've got a gun and you can just shoot all the monsters, but it does some really good bits where it just takes all the control away from you, and it's just... Yeah, it's... You're just screwed. So, like, some really good bits in it that, like, that's how you do horror in a shooter sort of thing, I think. Yeah, like, so I'm not that far in, but there's just been a couple of bits where it's just like, I don't know what's going on. This is really weird. Mm. Um, but that's a very cool aesthetic with the the guns are all kind of, um, they're all cobbled together. And I guess they look a little bit like the Fallout 4 guns, but obviously this came out a long time before. Mm. So, you know, lots of kind of blocks of wood with kind of shotgun barrels screwed onto them. Or uh, one of the guns is a pneumatic air rifle. Yeah. So you, you have, you have to, good. like, pump it up, which oh, just feels yeah. really cool. Yeah, and this is, uh, the currency is bullets as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you you're firing kind of crappy, I guess I assume bullets that they made in the subway, and the currency is yeah. military grade bullets that survives. And if you're yeah, a nutcase, really... you can like use those bullets to shoot with. I... Uh, but I don't know why you would. <laughs> yeah. I think they're more. Yeah. I think they do more damage. Yeah. But yeah, you're I literally just so, shooting yeah. money at that point. <laughs> I really want to read the book series as well. Actually, is it a series book? Sorry, just yeah. one book. Yeah, I want to read the book. Yeah. Yeah, because of course the third one was just announced at E3, and it seems like it's going open world. Mm. Oh, cool! So, um, watch any of E3 this year, guys. <laughs> completely don't, blanked don't, don't any of that. it. Don't, don't tell anybody. Of, we know what's going on. We know what's going yeah. on. Good. Just we pretend do. I do too. <laughs> uh, I, I also picked up Steamworld Heist because uh, I've constantly been having it recommended. Uh, oh, it's so good. It, Nevi. Um, because. It's a little bit like 2D XCOM, but with kind yeah. of charming, cutesy robots. Oh, it's so funny! It's such a funny um, game. With so I haven't, haven't tried it. Haven't tried it though. But I'm oh, forward, to, forward to that. Right. And, we'll to come back and talk about that later because that's such a good game. Uh, Overcooked, which is like a co-op sort of local multiplayer arcade cooking game, nice. which I've been wanting to try, hilarious. and then was reminded that I wanted to try it when you were talking about uh, Cook Serve Delicious last week, and I was like, oh. Yes. Um, yeah. But I hate also to say that, because really I've, I've got a collection of local multiplayer games that I just like adding to. Yeah, yeah. No, and the Overcooked is hilarious, like, trying to cook a soup while in the back of a van that keeps splitting in half. Because <laughs> it, it almost looks a little bit like um, Gang Beasts, with that, you know, the, the people look similar. Uh, and that kind of similar chaos of just, well, sort of just running around a kitchen 
throwing carrots at people and yeah i just love like the do you know what the actual like it's like an actual sort of an actual story that like ties the main game together okay i didn't realize that yeah basically it's like set in like the future where uh a monster comes up and you've got to feed it and it's not happy it's not god it's like a giant onion or something (laughs) i know the onion king is the guy who sends you back to like train to like make a better meal for the monster so you can feed it so it doesn't destroy the world which is just like it's just hilarious the whole thing is just so funny marty you've got to go back yeah it's like the onion king's like you need to go and learn how to make pizza (laughs) maybe it's pizza that the monster wants it's like oh now you've got to go to the ice place and learn how to make fish and chips (laughs) oh thank goodness i mean now i know how to make Fish and chips. <laughs> I think that's everything I picked up. I picked up a. Oh, you've I, picked up a fac- you... I picked up a faction for Company Furious Two. So I... I'm looking at Steam now, and I can see that you, at the same time you bought those other two, you also bought Civilization Six. I, that was it. That was the other <laughs> thing I got. That was the that was the one expensive. Right, well, that's a really obscure, weird game. I don't think anyone's ever yeah. heard of it. So no, not even really <laughs> worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, I got it. I think because I, I got it for. Twenty pounds, which is quite good because it's fifty. Usually. Fifty smackerinis. Yeah, yeah, and I've been I've been wanting to hold off because um, my usual my people I usually play Civ with haven't got it yet. Mm. But I got really lucky because Steam because it was I think it was it was dropped to thirty pounds. I was like that's that's still a bit steep. I think you know mm. I'll get it in the winter or next spring. And then so Steam do bundles where you so it was like get the I can't remember the name of the bundle, but it was it was Civ Six and XCOM Two bundled together with for an additional discount. Oh, cool! So it was like for, for and then you you saved an extra twenty percent or something. Yeah. And then because I already owned XCOM Two, it just removed the price of XCOM from the bundle. Oh, yeah, nice. oh that's so cool. I've been playing one game. I've been doing terribly uh, as Victoria, kind of trying yeah. to follow in her footsteps of making a large colonial empire. Um, but I really like it so far. It seems like the, the cities need to be a lot more specialised thanks to the district system. And you're, you, there's a lot more hard choices that you need to make as opposed to the build every building. Yeah, in, in I think it, it's it's definitely better than five. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I think I've said this before on a podcast, but I think it's better than the base game of five. It's definitely one of the best base game civilizations. But I still like I played for a bit, and I still feel like I'm sort of just done with Civ games in general now. Like. They also just have the same arc, and at a certain point, it doesn't become interesting decisions. I don't know. I it's a, there's probably a whole thing there for me to unpick in my brain as to why I just don't think I like them anymore. But well, there has um, been has been six of them plus spin-offs. Like yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I've never played them until four. Yeah, but still, that's like yeah. four or five and six, and like they're they're very incremental, and I feel like part of it's kind of the frustration of feeling that they don't. They never like have moved beyond the concept that much, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like yeah. I... Every game, you know, you get the game and then you get the DLC for it, and then you know, it's a bit like a it's a bit like a Sims game in a way, where the next game, you know, that all the improvements from the DLC are basically going to be gone, and you're going to have to wait for DLC again to make the game I guess properly like with, good. With, with Sims Four, where it was like you bought the base game, but there were no swimming pools, and you had to wait for the DLC <laughs> to find swimming pools. Mm. But in Civ, it's not swimming pools, it's religion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, and you just... 
I feel like you, you go through the same kind of roller coaster of emotions every time, and then uh, you never really feel. I don't think like they do anything like groundbreaking well, to make it like. Yeah. Well, actually, there's. I think they have everything that a lot of the features. Or well, I've still only played one game, but religion is definitely there. Um, there's a new government system, which is quite interesting. So you can like, do I want to be a dictator? Do I want to run a merchant republic? How do I choose? Yeah, see, I, I, the decisions are there, but like they're not. They're just like, yep, am I this or I'm this? And then you just sort of. There's no like. There's no narrative to it. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I guess it's it, not like it kind of in like Stellaris, where if you play like the arsehole faction, then and try and be nice, then people rebel against you. It's like you're just a dictator, and now you just get more points for military. Yeah, Hooray. I guess like Simpson, yeah, Simpson don't really have much of a narrative to it though. Like, no, it again, doesn't. Like, but I think that's too. It's. I feel like that's a place where like a lot of other games have stepped in for that area and Civ like at least like pull its socks up and like do something a bit different. Yeah, like there was nothing in this civilization that went. That's really cool. I hadn't thought of a Civ game doing that. So I was like, yep, this sounds about. This is what you'd expect. Yeah, it's very. As I like, safe. I think it works as just as just like a kind of simulation almost yeah yeah but like, i think it's i don't know if, i think a narrative option would be nice i'm not asking for like a lot but like yeah. you know something yeah <laughs> like just, just it seems that you could take away all the bits and it could just be an abstract game without any of the yeah kind of fluff to it. it it feels like it sometimes when you're playing a civ game like you know when you pick a ruler it's like you're picking a stat bonus, and it, it kind of yeah. just feels like it's like you're yeah. It, it's like it, it's like a like a it it feels very gamey, like a but gamey in a kind of spreadsheety sort of way. Like yeah, it's like right. I want to be good at farming, but also really good at ranged attacks. Who do I need to pick for that? Oh, there we are. I'll be uh, Napoleon or something. Yeah. Napoleon, and then oh yeah, that's that's fine. Now I can go and be good at farming. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Whereas um, I've been playing Stellaris a lot, which actually doesn't... Well, I didn't get it on the Steam sale. I can get it in the Humble thing a couple of months ago. And that has, like... Like I said, if you decide to do things that are against sort of the nature of your people, then people get upset. Like, other factions appear, and then you they can take over your other planets. Or if you do stuff that, like... Say you're the, the really nice... Uh, the nice, nice race that doesn't kill anyone, and you decide, oh, I'm just gonna take part in this war. People are gonna get pissed, <laughs> and then suddenly, like your your empire is like fractured and in two parts, and yeah, it's just a lot more. It's not like it's like like narrative, like there's like a story, but you like you get a feel that like this is maybe more real, even though it's like super super. Yeah, there's sort of like an futuristic sort of a, and sci-fi. like an emergent narrative, almost like it's the. I know what you mean. Like it's far less abstract. It kind of far feels like a kind of sci-fi epic almost. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that that's my 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 piece on civilization. I'll probably unpick further in my brain <laughs> at some point in my life as to why and I just still feel a bit dumb with Civ. Uncover the childhood anyway. trauma. I should have <laughs> ended what I played with the Metro series because that would have perfectly segued into what both me and Nevi have been Whoa. playing, which was Mini Metro. Incredible. Oh yes! You see, we missed but the trick I'm there. Not, I'm not that slick, so <laughs> we'll just, now, just edit it. Metro. No one will notice. 
So, yes, Mini Metro. So in Mini Metro, you, if I understand this right, you, uh, it's like, it's like Metro except everything's smaller and uh, Arteom is about three foot high. Is is this right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I you mean, could view it as a prequel to the Metro games, <laughs> in which yeah. you are the nefarious designer of the Moscow Metro system, and it's up to you to make it as efficient as possible. <laughs> I don't know if there is a Moscow level actually. Um, I feel like they missed a trick there. Does Moscow have a Metro? I think it I think does. I feel like I feel the like point I'm, of the. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where the Metro other games come from. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't just <laughs> make things up. Oh, oh yeah, I mean... right, yeah, duh. I've just been playing a game all about the Moscow Metro. Wouldn't just lie yeah. to us. <laughs> yes, yeah, just... we could, well, we could, we could edit that part out as well. Yeah. Just to hide one. That stayed in, nice. <laughs> do, they, do they have one in Moscow? <laughs> this is a conundrum. I mean, that was, you know, that was what, five minutes ago uh... I was talking about it. Uh, no, no, so, so Mini Metro is about getting shapes to other shaped places. Just like in real life, you really want to get the triangle people to triangle stations. Fortunately, the triangle people don't, they don't care what triangle station they go to. They're like the most ridiculous commuters. They're like, I just want to go somewhere that's got a square. And it's like, but you don't work there. I want to go to a square. <laughs> so yeah, that's Mini Metro. Anywhere much. but here. It is, it, it is a game where you draw out. So it's, it's, it's some... I think it might also it's on PC as well, but it's yeah. mainly a like a smartphone game. Yeah, I, I first played it on PC, I think. Yeah, and, it, and basically you, you're same. drawing metro lines in order to get people to where they need to go. So the game will start and it will show you like a circle, a triangle, and a square. Yeah, and and you have like and you can draw a line, and you're it'll, you'll have you'll start off with like perhaps like three different coloured lines available, so you might connect all three of them in one line, and then basically little people that are represented by the different shapes show up at a random station and then they just need to get to a station that matches their shape so a triangle appears at the circle station and they need to just get to a triangle station you know i feel like it's interesting that uh because i have a friend ages ago he was he was really into mini metro when it first came out and he was trying to sell me on it um mm. and i feel like it's interesting that we've gone from a like like one game where it's like like civ where you know, it, it kind of has a you know a bit of a historical dressing, and it maybe tells a bit of a story depending on what interacts. But Navi has an issue with it being too abstract, which I share. <laughs> and now you go into Mini Metro, which is like it's like, so abstract. It's, it's yeah, the most abstract. Yeah. I suppose I think the best the best description is it. if you've ever seen a tube map. Yeah, it is a game of the tube map. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Which makes it sound really boring, but it's not. <laughs> it's. it's I guess it's, it's yeah. It's pleasant to look at in the same way that a tube map is, though, isn't it? Like it's got that yeah, whole visual the... style. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. exactly it's the same. Yeah, art style as the London tube map. Because I, I really like the London tube map. I think it's a nice looking. Well, the, one map. of one of the things about tube maps, obviously, is uh, they don't often map like they don't they, like they don't look like that in real life. That's it's like a simplified version, so you can That's understand true. where you're going. Like the, the the thing obviously is in real life much more uh, squiggly and untidy. But mm. like, that they make it look neat for well, not artistic purposes, but uh, you know, ease <laughs> yeah. of identification. Like, I love that. <laughs> you don't want to look like you're looking at a, a fucking like road atlas. You want to look like you know. You want to be like, I need to get from here to here. Someone's yeah. made uh, some really beautiful gifs of 
the of like various tube maps from various cities uh kind of morphing into their real world locations ah so like they go from this like beautifully well, almost simple kind of network of lines with kind of regular angles into just this kind of weird mess of spaghetti <laughs> which is sometimes how many metros things end up <laughs> like, yeah usually ends up especially when like okay so as well as there being lines wait for it sometimes you also need tunnels oh shit all right and yeah, you don't have an infinite really number of tunnels gav all right sometimes you run out of tunnels oh fuck. so right so what you might have is like this random station appears across the river and you've only got one tunnel so you just have this like this this one line that just just travels under the river <laughs> because <laughs> you can't get it back again because there's only one <laughs> you can't make it into one of your existing circuits so yeah no you end up with like this is the line for the <laughs> for the other side of the river um so yeah yeah, so the main part of the game is you just need to survive as long as possible because if people wait at a station for too long, yeah, they get angry and complain, and then you they lose. do. They send all the letters off to the people that then close the game down for you. Uh, yeah, and you can <laughs> play, like... you can play on like loads of different cities. So as to say, yeah. like, I think the, the starting one is London, and then you can play in Manhattan, and yeah. they loads. just change like... the river layout, which is what's difficult. Mm. Oh, but also like there's there's other cool places like I think it's is it Osaka in Japan have like the bullet trains that move really fast that you can hit, and then certain Ooh, places that yet. you have uh, have interchanges so like people get less grumpy at an interchange and they and they come on and off the trains quicker. See, it's all it's all going on in in Mini Metro yeah. Land. It's got exciting you, you, stuff. Yeah, so every like every week you get to, you get a little upgrade, so you might get an additional line that you can draw. You might yeah. get extra tunnels. You might get another carriage, so you can happy trains carry more people yeah so it's like a mixture of uh like um like uh train simulator 2017 with like a puzzle game Probably, yeah, yeah yeah it's a really nice visual puzzle game i think because because all the all the train lines are all like very distinct colors and they're, they're uh like primary colors and really nice and bold that you can just sort of see each line as it slowly shifts and becomes like a its own thing or you like make it into a loop eventually and then like oh that's my yellow line it's really nice and central in the middle and then like the blue one goes through it a bit and stuff so well but, so you, you start out and you're like oh this is gonna be the best looking tube map and then by the end it's just so chaotic because see, the commuters did not <laughs> adhere to your divine will yeah <laughs> suddenly you have a thousand people in like one square station you're like what do i do with you <laughs> That is, of course, unless you play on endless mode, in which case you couldn't give a fuck if people get to work on time. They just sort of sit there and wait like they should. Because <laughs> there's no yeah, because you just wrote an article about this. There's no yes. there's no fail state in endless mode. No, you just oh, get to so draw nice. forever. Yeah, you just sort of endlessly tweak it. You're like, right, my because it uh, similar to the to regular mode, you gradually get upgrades, but instead of getting them every week, you get them as you take more people to destinations. So. You're like, right, so if I tweak this, I'm getting more people per day, so now I'll be able to get another line, or a faster train, or a new carriage, or whatever. So, a lifetime of fiddling. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it genuinely is. Like, um, I have a, a game of it on my tablet that I've been playing for, like, three days. Just, like, half an hour, or 10, 15 minutes each, each, each evening. Just sort of chill and just tweak my little mini metro line. It's nice. It's just really So I've been calming. playing it in, like, temporary bursts. So I've been, like, <laughs> I started playing it when I went on and started commuting. 
because I I'll really get into it because I had to go to I was like oh, I've got a tube journey got a got a job interview I'll play it on the tube journey for full immersion Jesus Christ yeah it's and on the and the the tube journey there I was like wow this is so calm this is just lovely you know there's, there's really yeah. like there's really nice music in the background like I had there been is. listening to a podcast and mm. and then the music came on and then I was like I was going to you know, sw- put my podcast back on over the top, but then I didn't. I just kind of got into a lovely, calm state. I was like, oh, "That's just really nice," and I arrived, and I was like, "Wow, that was that was a lovely tube journey." I had really a real fun time just drawing these tube lines, um, and cause, and then because I arrived, I didn't so I didn't stop playing because I'd lost. I just arrived at my destination, and so turned off my phone. Uh, I went away, but then I came came back, and I got back on the tube. Uh, and I opened up the same tube line as things started getting more chaotic. And the journey back was not as calm. <laughs> it was definitely not as calm. Because suddenly, my tube line was at capacity. And then random peop- random stations were being built in places I didn't want there to be a station. Because I had <laughs> in my head, I was like, this is going really well. I'll get an extra line and that can go run through the centre and everything will be more efficient. And then someone's like, let's just open a tube station all the way over here, which is really inconvenient for you. And then we'll have people show up at this tube station with no tube lines connected to it. And then those people will get angry that they don't get to work. But I'm of which, and I have no sympathy for them because you've shown up at a tube station that has no tube lines. <laughs> and then you have the call to get angry at me for yeah. not for not getting you to work. Yeah, you'd think you'd wait. Like... The failure is on you. <laughs> it does have a really nice art. Just the like the classic. Um... Mini Metro mode. It's, it's just sort of like it is really zen. You're like, ah, oh, really nice. This is lovely. Line. You, you begin and, to get a plan. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this is really good. Like, so I can I can always move this to here as well afterwards, and like I can go over there. And then someone decides to have a station really out of the way across a river. You've got no bridges. They're getting grumpy. You're just like, fuck. <laughs> Why is this happening? Yeah, it, beca- it goes from being like the most zen and relaxing game to being so stressful <laughs> and like really, really intense. You're like, I really need to make it to the end of the week. I really need to make it to the end of the week because at the end of the week, you're like, I'll get another carriage or another train. I'll put it there. I'll be fine. You're like, come on, come on. Last day. It's like, gets to Saturday. It's like edging in on, on the end of Sunday and then it just ends. You're like, oh no. Or I've had it where you, you're waiting to get to the end of the week. Like, if I can just get a tunnel, I can extend that line south of the river. It'll be great. I can shorten this one, make it more efficient. And then it gets to the end of the week. And it's like, would you like a new train carriage or a new line? I'm like, I don't want either. I wanted a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I've only, so now, I now only play it when I'm on public transport because it's so much because that way I never lose because I always reach my destination before <laughs> I lose and that way I can just start a new game <laughs> so I was really enjoying it so every time I have a really a calm start to the journey and things will be just getting a little bit too frantic and then it's like oh I'm here and so in that way I, I don't need playing this mode I can just always play the, the high score mode but nice. crucially never lose <laughs> It's good though. I really like it. I've been playing for about a year now. I think I got it last last summer on on PC, and I didn't even. And then when it came out on on, on tablet, I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant! It's even better." And yeah, it's just it's really good. Thoroughly recommend it. I remember more so on um, endless mode, just because I think it's more, it's way more zen and just much more fun. I think because otherwise it gets too stressful. But if you want to have a stressful time, then 
I mean, you can go ahead and do that if that's... If you want to bust a board vessel. Exactly, exactly. I mean... That's your thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember seeing it's like... Or it was a while ago. It might not be anymore. It was 99p on Google Play for a while. I think it's eight, I got it for 89p. Oh, oh so bargain. It's, it's, I hope it's still like go. that. I, I'm pretty sure that's just a standard price. Oh, that's was, actually pretty good. That's not even a deal. I was Sick. thoroughly satisfied. Was like, that was a, a lovely game. So I'm usually, I'm usually not super keen on smartphone games. I can never really stick with them. But I mean, actually, I've really enjoyed. I, I have weird yeah. things with smartphone games. But yeah, yeah, it sounds... Because it's kind of paired back and... Uh, avoids yeah. a lot of the the typical vices of the smartphone genre. Like I can, mm. I might get it. Yeah, I think it's it, made for PC first, so it was obviously made as like with the idea of just being a fun game rather than being a, a phone game, a platform. So, yeah, so it's like oh, this is a cool idea. I'll make it. But it, it works really nicely on the phone, just because it works really well with touchscreen for drawing the lines. Yeah, it does. The dragging and, and stuff is really good because you, even after you place a line, you can always move it around. So like. If you move, decide that oh this line's way too gangly and long, you can sort of like drag it back so that it's smaller, and then build a new line around, which is cool. Because oh, oh, one of the reasons why Minimetro gets so stressful is because what'll happen is you'll have a line that has like four circles in a row, and obviously circles never want to go to another circle. That, yeah, that's the worst. Not, so you end up with this thing of like right, uh, there's I've got all these triangles coming here, but then. There's nowhere for them to go for ages, and oh, it, it's when that happens, you're like, I need to rethink how this line operates because these triangles they've got to travel a long way to get to them uh, triangle stations. <laughs> but yeah, no. Anyway, I wrote a cool article about it uh, about why endless mode is so relaxing, which you should all go and read because. Will good. there be a link in the description? There certainly will be. Yes. Nice. Nice. Should we move swiftly on to our next? Yeah, thing? Well, I mean, I've been I've been relaxing. Well, I said kind of relaxing. The catharsis of coming out of public transport. I've been releasing some of the public transport frustration in Hitman, which is a lot of fun. Public transport bloodthirst. Yeah, you come out of it, and you're like, I suddenly feel the need to just release all that passive aggressive anger that I would never ever show on the tube because. <laughs> Are we not English? I do not so miss was... having to get public transport to work or anything. Yeah. It's quite nice yeah. to now. I just sort of walk for the 30 seconds in my pyjamas to my computer in the morning. It's much nicer. Yeah, I'll release my frustration by just turning on all the taps in a Hitman level. Wow. <laughs> 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 in seven years, this will produce structural damage and it will kill them. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, yeah, the, the Hitman. Uh, no, no subtitle. It's just Hitman TM. The man who hits. Yeah, uh, it's really good fun. So I picked it up a couple of months ago. Is it? Uh, I've been really enjoying it, and it's so it was released originally episodically, but I, it was on sale, and I picked up the whole lot all in one go. Uh, and oh. it's really good. Um, like I think it's it's received. It's, I think it's, it's it's received a lot of critical praise, but mm. hasn't didn't sell that well initially. And people got caught a lot of flack for the episodic release format. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people uh, didn't appreciate it. Um, which is a shame because it's actually a brilliant Hitman game. Um, but right, it, looks good. it was worrying because um, IO, the people that the public, the the developers even, were going to be sold off by Square Enix, so it would look like there wasn't going to be a sequel. But then IO uh, 
have reformed, have survived that, and are now an independent developer and have managed to secure the rights for the Hitman series. So that's pretty good. They will, they'll still be going, producing oh, more super. great work. Um, because yeah, because basically Absolution, which is the previous Hitman game, was uh, not great. It was far more. The pre, all the previous Hitman games revolved around these big assassination kind of playgrounds where you'd be put in a location and then you just had to assassinate a target and where Absolution had far fewer of those it was far more linear and was a lot a lot more like the Splinter Cell games where yeah. it was far more about getting from A to B mm. without being detected and a kind of like stealth corridor almost it was kind of yeah it was a lot more like, like a third traditional stealth yeah. game um, and there were one or two levels where it was kind of here is your big open area. Dispatch the target, but not so much like those were rare. Um, but because Hitman, the new Hitman, Hitman, just Hitman. Um, the more episodic, you say he, that, yeah, say it's, it's like Hitman. it's so difficult. <laughs> that man is so hit. He is the hit. It's so man. difficult to differentiate it from the previous Hitman because this one is just called Hitman <laughs> from the previous Hitman. <laughs> Which hitman are you of the hit? The hitman sounds like, like a really weird boy band, doesn't it? <laughs> Four bald, identical men with barkers yeah. at the back of their neck. I reckon they would be a cappella. Do you not think? Well, it turns out that Hitman Agent Forty Seven is his company name is is a great drummer because in the most re- so there are, there are six levels which were released in episodic format. These these, these huge levels. Um. Each yeah, quite quite big, just kind of plates of assassination kilt like sandboxes. Hmm. Uh, but in the in the most recent one I just completed, you are trying to assassinate uh, a musician, oh. and so in there's always been in Hitman games that the the kind of cinematic way of killing your target. So they might set up a sort of almost like a Rube Goldberg machine of death where it'd be like oh if you go and steal the wrench yeah. from this and you loosen that and then disguise yourself as this specific thing you'll create the you know if you disguise yourself as the surgeon and do this you'll kind of create the intended cinematic kill and that was yes. I, think, I, remember, I remember that from you'd get it in Blood Money and I think the second Hitman game uh, it's, it's like playing uh, like human mousetrap, isn't it? Like, yeah, kind of. And you dive can dive and jump into the big, bucket to the not the thing. Yeah. But of course, you were always just free to shoot them in the back of the head or garrot them or what do you think? And they've they've that's still here, but they've created lots of them in a level, so it no longer feels like you either do something something weird and freeform or you do their intended one. There are now lots of different ways that you can do kind of. These, these kind of set piece assassinations and so the level feels far more free because it's no longer like you either do a weird thing or the set piece one there's now just lots of options and so this this cool. in this level to assassinate the musician I his drummer was ill and so you can disguise yourself as the replacement drummer uh, okay and then Hitman just performs a, so- a drum solo <laughs> and it's really impressive he is in a boy band <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you walk in you're like I mean, yeah, fine. My character is a skilled assassin, but he—I don't. What if he needs to play the drums? And then you do play the drums, and it's great. 
and so he the musician wants to talk to you out <laughs> on a private balcony. At which point I love that. you perform one final final drum solo by smacking his head in. Right. <laughs> I wonder what other skills he has. It's like just in case you better learn how to crochet. <laughs> just in case you better learn how to. I don't know. Yeah, ride a unicycle. <laughs> Yeah, and I think because there are, there's, there's there's six levels and I think a bonus level. Sort of, they're all so much effort has gone into each area that they're really beautiful. Like the, it's a shame because I think the the first level, which is, uh, is you're at a Paris fashion show, mm. is probably the least exciting. That's a shame. And just like it, it's still really cool and there's still so much so much to explore. But yeah. just visually, it's kind of dull. Uh, just play them um, in order then, like from Paris through to. So Florida. there is there is a linking storyline, but they don't okay. lock anything, so you are totally free to oh, that's quite play nice them in any order thing. and do it how you like. It just says, yeah. "Oh, you might spoil the story for yourself." Right. But they really have gone for the, just the kind of here are six uh, sandboxes. It's up to you. Cool. Cool. Um, but yeah, and then the second level is probably the most beautiful, which is this kind of Italian seaside town, and then this huge kind of villa up on a cliff that kind of oh. overlooks this little town it's very where James the Bond. where the target lives yeah and it's and it's so lovely and you and you spend ages exploring and there's so much to do and it's like if that had been the first one i'm sure people would have been hooked but yeah, because the first one is it's still it's good and there's lots to do but it doesn't quite show off the the new game as much as the second level does so because it's right. so late i'm sure there were people that perhaps picked up the first one weren't impressed and just didn't yeah, well, hopefully Continue. now that it's complete, people will take a second look at it. Yeah, and and what's lovely is that, yeah, because you're so free to do everything. You'll it really rewards kind of just exploration and taking things slow. Yeah. Um, and there's no longer because in Absolution there were like set save checkpoints, and now it's just there's also saves, and you can save whenever you like. Yeah. Um, not bad so it, yeah it's far, it's far more just kind of up to the player and every time that I've finished a level you'll be go, you'll be kind of getting out and then you'll be like oh wait I could have done that hang on there's a fake cannon that I could actually turn into a live cannon and then somehow manipulate the target to walk in front of this real cannon that's pretty or cool. you gotta spot these things and there are so many different ways that it's always really fun so like I'm really looking forward to just going back and Taking them the stuff that you know, like you That's begin to, cool. you know, you you know the kind of route the target will take. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's really good fun. Awesome. Right. Well, I hope to hear more about it in the future after you. Yeah, and it's funny. It the the one thing I, I was thinking, because of turning on the taps on the level, the you become. I think, I think it's it's slightly ridiculous because you become like a poltergeist. Because there are so right. many little th things you can do to distract people, like you throw coins or you turn on a radio to summon them. Yeah. And I think the, the amount of time you just spend causing mischief to yeah. manipulate the AI is a little bit <laughs> funny. Like, okay, yes, every, once in a while you'll perform a long-range sniper shot, but Agent 47's real skill is just leaving taps on or <laughs> switching on the radio. He's just a passive-aggressive person, really, isn't he? He's <laughs> like, just like... For the people at the level, there was just a weird poltergeist that is he's just, just, kind of, that that is just causing mischief. With. Yeah, he's just that twat that, that, that you work with that you're just like, ah, oh, guy, what? He just always leaves the tap on and never flushes the toilet, leaves his dirty coffee mug out all the time, <laughs> turns the radio up really loud. Somebody yeah, was guy. killed, but more importantly, somebody <laughs> took my sandwiches out of the fridge. And now yes. they've gone off. 
Who drank all the milk? Come on, <laughs> fess up. It clearly says you should replace it if you use it. Yeah. He unspooled all the toilet roll. <laughs> She's taken all the lids off all the pens and they've all gone dry. <laughs> and he stole yeah, all exactly. of her tutus. Yeah, and the level she the levels just have a nice logic to them, like um which is nice. Like there was a ho- there's a level there's a there's a level in a hotel. And one of the things you can do is you can uh so big items that perhaps are quite suspicious you can have you can have like as a dead drop somewhere in the level yeah and so i was like well i'll get you know i'll ask for i'll enter the level as agent 47 or just you know a person and so you have a that means you have a hotel room and you can have like a big item left in the hotel room so like, well, i'll have a sniper rifle left in my hotel room and i'll go pick it up um and i kept getting i got to the hotel room and it's like oh you need your key card and i was like Oh, I don't have a keycard. I wonder where I find my keycard to get into my room. Yeah. So Agent Wondering is like, oh, wait, I haven't checked into the hotel at reception. And just walked back down to the lobby and was like, hello, I'm Tom Smith. <laughs> uh, I think I've got room 205. I'm like, oh, yes, here's your keycard. So I was like, nice. Oh, I was so expecting there to be some weird gamey thing that I had to do, not just do the thing you that go. you're meant to do at hotels, which is check in. <laughs> How does one hotel? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's really good fun. Um, so what have you been playing, Levy? I have been playing a bad game. Oh no! It's called, oh, no. and not like in a cool way. It's not like it's like bad on the street being I can't a cool hear anymore. game. I've accidentally started a bollocks. What have you done? You started a bollocks. <laughs> I know it's hot, George, but like, chill out. <laughs> I had Steam open and I hit enter. And I oh, accidentally no. started Wolf Inside the New Order. So oh, no. <laughs> it suddenly just pulled me out of the game. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> right, I'll start that again. There's something we so, can do. <laughs> yeah. I have been playing a not so good game in King Arthur 2. King so, Arthur okay. 2. Yeah. So, for people who don't. No, I've been doing sort of a mini series called Less Is More, where I've been looking at games that are like they're okay, but they have bits that like make them a bit rubbish. Nice. So I looked at um, Divinity Dragon Commander and how like the sort of RTS part of that makes it not very good, and same with Husk, how like the actual enemies make it a bit of a crap horror game. So I was looking at, at King Arthur Two and thought, well, I could do some uh, see what's on the surface. It looks like a sort of total war game but with a story and it is it is that to for, to to a lot, many extents but it didn't have like any additions that are just like don't need to be there so much as the other things that I've I've looked at it's just not been done very well oh no <laughs> so the like the the sort of RTS battles like in total war you have like a control over over your units, and then you it plays out like a, like like you would think like you have archers and you control them and you shoot people with them basically. But the combat is just not as good as a total war game. You have far less control over what they do. Um, it's a lot harder to manage groups of people. It ends up just being like a massive like I have a big army. I'll just throw it at you, and you throw your big army at me. 
it's kind of like a really bad version of the Warhammer Total War games because it has fantasy stuff embedded in it, um, and like commanders like do loads of damage. But it, there's no reason why you would ever play it over Warhammer Total War, even if you have a passing interest in Warhammer or none, like I do. I'd still say just don't because it's just not very good. Yeah, I think I remember seeing this on Steam and being looking quite it looked quite interesting but this was yeah. it was a couple of years before to, like while Total War was still very historical and I yeah. love Total War games it's like oh this looks like an interesting riff on the genre with exactly Arthurian units yeah exactly my thoughts on it back and when basically it's... the only good uh, fantasy RTS was like uh, Lord of the Rings Middle Earth mm. yeah I don't think it's quite that the 2 came out in 2012 so it's not it's not massively okay. old what five okay. years it's. I think that the original one might have come out a bit further before that, but there's nothing like nothing hugely interesting I could say about it other than the fact that it's, it's like an inferior Total War game that tries to have a bit of a story. The interesting bits in it, I suppose, are that at at certain junctures you'll have bits where you'll do like a sort of choose your adventure bit in it, where it's like you can decide what sort of person you want to be in the world. So like, um, in the prologue you play as sort of an undead Roman legionnaire and there's bits where you go back to the Senate and it's like how do you want to talk to the people at the Senate, which groups do you want to acknowledge, which ones do you want to shun and then that changes your influence or makes you more of a tyrant or more of a, like, changes your morality meter a bit and like that's sort of interesting but it's like, it's not interesting enough to like, make you want to play the rest of the game Um, that's a shame yeah, it's, I don't feel like any of it's like written or executed well enough to make it worth playing that much. Um, the the battles have sort of got a bit more of an, an extra like edge over a generic Total War game in that there's places for you to capture in pretty much every single battle that will have like unlock a bonus spell that you can use. Like I think, excuse me, there's like a lightning, uh, a lightning like church or something you can go and control now and now you can do a lightning spell and it but that just it feels really hammy like it's just sort of been thrown in of like we'll have locations that you can capture and oh they give you spells like why they just do it's, i don't know it yeah that's a shame it, it's like, just it was just yeah, really just kind of really disappointing potential i guess yeah it was one of the, I, I really wanted to like it i was i really went into it thinking like oh this looks really good because i think i've owned it for ages i kind of stuck on it on a month or something and i've, I've always meant to like properly dig into it and see what it's actually like and turns out what it's actually like is just not very good um but i would Can like talk about something that is good yeah well i'll say one last thing i really really want them to take what they have learned from the first two and look at the other games that have done this but better and come back with a third game because that would be that's that'd be really nice is that if they just sort of look at how the total war franchise has evolved and and sort of emulate that a bit more but also just sort of really fine-tune it it comes from paradox well published by paradox and they've made some really good games in recent years i mean they used to make lots of janky games like this but they've they've published some actual decent games that i've really enjoyed so hopefully they can make this maybe they could bring out a third king arthur game that isn't bit right. shit Here, here's That's something my plea. uh yeah. 
They they're the people who made the uh, the Van Helsing games. That's what they've been up to. Uh, a game called Death Trap, which I have not heard of. I've not heard of that. I, I think I own the Van Helsing games as well. That's the that isometric one, like the kind of. It's like Diablo. Yeah, Diablo like. There you go. So so George, you were saying you have something good to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Bring us um, back to positivity. Well, I would say uh, we could do some board games because a while ago. Uh, a month ago now, uh, I was at the UK Games Expo, and that was great. That was a lot of fun. Oh, you were. I'm so jealous. Um, I had been wanting to go, and then I ended up signing up with the expo itself to demonstrate games for a publisher. Uh, I basically saw a tweet which said, you need some people to demonstrate games. So I thought, oh, that looked like fun. So I demonstrated cool. games for a publisher called Devere, who are... Uh, primarily based outside the UK and do a lot of uh, publishing in other languages. So, then, um, so I think they publish games like Catan and others in Spanish and Catalan and sort of in places in South America as well, I think. I think they've got quite a few offices. Uh, but they've also got a lot of their own games now and I think are beginning to move into looking to sell games in England. Cool. So I was demoing some of their stuff. Uh, and it was a really, it was a really good time. Um, I was a bit worried that playing the same game a lot over the course of three days might make me hate the game. But <laughs> they're, they're, luckily, their games are all quite, like, quite easy social games, like short, simple kind of social family games. Um, that meant they were really easy to learn, quite easy to teach. Like I, wa- I wasn't in love with any of them, but they didn't drive me insane. So that was what, nice. What did you demo? What were, what were the games? Uh, so I demoed a game called uh, Holmes, Sherlock and Mycroft, um, which is probably my favourite of the games I demoed. Uh, a review of that is up on the site. Uh, I demoed a game called Dragons and Chickens, which is a kind of a bit like Dobble uh, in its kind of reaction, kind of speedy reactions, trying to match symbols uh, with a kind of fantasy element in that you're trying to grab treasure cards and avoid a dragon. Uh, and that one's quite fun. It's kind of hectic and a good laugh. Um, I demoed a game called Checkpoint Charlie, which is a little bit like Guess Who. Uh, you are you are dog detectives guarding the Berlin Wall from enemy cat agents that are trying to sneak over the wall. Well, um, of course or you are. Eight, uh, eight, a single, actually, it's a single cat agent that has many disguises, and you're trying to find out which is his disguise so you can catch him. And basically, you all get... There are kind of five different features that have like a have like two settings so like he's either wearing a hat or not or he's got a paper or he doesn't have a paper or he's wearing a green jumper or a overcoat and you'll know one of the states so you might know that he is wearing a hat and so you play and so you're drawing cards that are just pictures of the cat and you either discard them or play them in front of you if they match the one bit of information that you have so Right. I, I I know that he's wearing a hat, so every time I draw a cat a cat with a hat, I just play it in front of me. <laughs> and you begin to work out what the bit of information everyone else has until you can you're pretty certain what the cat looks like, at which point you can make an accusation and try and accuse the right one. <laughs> I know this cat, it wears a hat, it wears a top hat, so that's that cat. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> continue. <laughs> I apologize a, for interruption. That's a statement there from an agent of the uh the uh, the East German Republic uh, <laughs> shortly before having someone interred for life. Um, 
having identified them as the correct cat. <laughs> you could but not, I would not against the state. We should not, would not deplore capitalism. Cat communism. A book by Dr. Seuss. I was about to ask, does that cat like green eggs and ham? But yeah, um, that was fun. And then the other one I played was a game called I think it was called Monster Cafe. I can't remember the exact name, but it was a kind of co-op game in which you're trying to feed monsters, and it's just kind of really simple, kind of like set collection where you've got you like you have basically you draw a couple of cards, and it'd be like this monster wants ice cream, a taco, and chips, and then you'll have a hand of cards, right. and on your turn you just you just you can do like one thing, and it's a case of trying to get all the card like each combination into one person's hand, and serve the monster, but it's against a clock, so it's kind of in real time as fast as oh, you can play. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's quite fun. Um, I really did think that when you said you got to feed a monster, you were going to be feeding it people. I don't know why. I was just like... <laughs> no, sadly, you're just feeding them regular food, Those but I imagine they eat, they eat you if they... That is extremely hungry. prejudiced against monsters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry. If there's any monsters it's listening, exactly. I apologise for if, my comments. If there's I any... I just assumed you ate people. <laughs> any, any cyclops, minotaurs, any, any gorgons on the go... Yeah. I suppose there could be veggies. I suppose there could be vegetarian hydras out there somewhere <laughs> who don't eat people. I, I apologise. It was insensitive. Um, but yeah, it was a really good weekend. Really good weekend overall. Just like it was a very cool to be in a in. A, it was my first kind of really big convention. Yeah. Um, like I'd been to EGX for a day, but this was kind of a whole different level because it was just so many people who kind of had this shared passion for board games in the same oh, place. Yeah. And it's just just an amazing atmosphere of kind of. It, I, you know, I'd be chatting to people, they'd come sit down, demo a game, I'd talk to them about what they'd really enjoyed. Mm. And so each day I'd had about two hours break during the day to kind of run around and just see all the stuff I wanted, like trying to find good board game deals, get really quick demos in of other games. Yeah. And then no. in the evening they'd be, they'd just open up these really, these huge rooms for just space for people to play games. Mm. Um, it's quite unlike a video games expo, is like, is a board games. Well, I've only been to UK expo but the board games but it's very different to go into a, a video game yeah i think it I had, feels yeah, I guess so there's, much... there's so much more interaction with other people because obviously yeah. you're playing games with yeah. the people and at egx it was you might have a quick chat to the indie dev and then you play the demo finish and kind of walk off but in this it's you'll sit down and play games with complete strangers or yeah you, i suppose because you know, there's a lot it's a lot it's a lot more social it is it is it's way more social you just end up like just making friends with, with strangers whereas you could happily go to like a video games expo and not really talk to anybody. And yeah, and that was what was so nice about demoing was that that like it made it so fun to demos because everyone there was so like in enjoyed being there so much and you just you know you go oh what did you see oh what do you think of the game mm. and they'd be like oh well I played a really cool demo uh, of this and you know, I was like oh that sounds awesome yeah um, uh, so yeah cool. just a really really lovely experience I thoroughly recommend it awesome. For, cool. so next year. You're saying it's just it's a it's a weekend where everyone gets together and they all they all have fun yeah. and enjoy themselves. And there's not even not even a, just a wee bit of like misery. There's no not even a tinge. Um, well, like, so I was like I was so busy trying to see everything that I was regularly just forgetting to to like eat. Like I'd be like, right, I've got half an hour <laughs> and I need to have yeah. lunch. There you go. Um. And I need to have lunch, and I'd be like, "Well, okay, the food, the food stands are over there. If I take a detour, just kind of round past those stands, I can have a quick look at um, any board game deals they've got on, and maybe see a fun demo that I can yeah. come back to once I've had lunch." 
uh, I never made it to the food stand ever. You know, as long <laughs> as long as there's a bit of uh, of convention suffering on the go, like I, I couldn't endorse an entirely misery-free convention. I don't think. How like, thoroughly Scottish of it's, you! <laughs> it's <laughs> part of the experience, really, isn't it? <laughs> what board games have you been playing recently, Nevi? So I got to I got a copy of and I got to play um, Ethnos, which is a cool new, is it new? Seems new, newish board game with uh, which. It's a really awkward game to explain because it kind of it's got a shit theme. It's pretty much my one of my main complaints about it, but it is really good. So in this in the world of Ethnos, you are going to be using some fancy races to sort of take control over a board. So it's a mixture of area control and set collection to break so it down races, to its most. They're all different ethnicities. Yeah, except apparently wizards are a race now. I feel like I missed the memo on that one, but um, what do you do? <laughs> it's like minotaurs, halflings, wizards. Sure, why not? Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna question it because to do so is questionable. Like, I suppose. like um, imagine it's a race of entirely like old beardy men, and they just it is, like... but. If that's the case, how do they reproduce? I mean, really, they're born like the magic, like. They I, they use magic and just like out pops in like a like a greasy pile. Yeah. Like I like to think that they're all just man. clones of each other. Maybe <laughs> just there's just one guy. It's just all just a clone of this one person. He, he killed all the other wizards and was like, "I'm the wizard." <laughs> yeah. now. I mean, they all look the same on the cards. So <laughs> I mean, unless that's just racist stuff. Really, they're all the same. <laughs> racist against wizards. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna get struck by lightning or killed I by know. a fireball or something. <laughs> so. It's really easy game to explain, and it's actually really fun, despite the um, the theme of it being a bit boring. Um, so on on your turn, you're gonna just pick a card up. You're either gonna pick one from a central market, which everyone can access, or you're gonna take one off the top of the deck of cards. What you want to be doing is you want to be making bands in inverted commas or just sets, basically, of either all the same race or all the same region. Uh, when you've made a set that you like the size of, you play it in front of you, and then you get to place one of your little tokens on the region to sort of start to lay your claim to it. The person who has the most number of tokens in a region gets points depending on what it says next to it. And then at the end of an age, which is when uh, three dragons that are seeded into the lower half of the deck appear, you get points depending on how big your sets are. So you could make like a... Initially, it's okay to make quite small sets because... It only costs a set. <laughs> I've said the word set way too many times. Equal. It costs a set greater than the number of tokens you already have in a region to place another one there. So if you've got two in, I've forgotten the name of all the regions, but we'll just say the green region. If you've got two two tokens in there already, you need to have a set of three or more in order to put another one in. It's pretty much it. And each race does an individual cool thing. Some of them add like an extra cool board to the game. Some of them add. Um, just extra tokens that you get to play with. They all do something a bit different that really mix it up. And it's 12 in total, and you play with six, generally. So it's got a nice bit of longevity, and they all interact differently. So depending on what races in the game, depends on how you want to play. It's quite, it's really good, and you can honestly explain it in like about five minutes and then just get into it. It's one of those games that you can just play with anybody because it's so simple. It's That's like, really nice. Yeah. Is it, do you feel like, I don't know how often you played it, but just the... From I've seen pictures of the board and it is like very generic. It's super fantasy generic fantasy map, but with yeah, like the least detail possible. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Does and... the like the slightly bland theme make it at all difficult to like get people excited to play it? I mean, when I in- I've, I've played this, I've only played it with my family, and when I introduced let's play a fantasy game, kind of my my mum went really, and then I was like, honestly, right, okay, it's it's good. I, I promise you, I've I've learned the rules really easily. It sounds really good. Uh, the fun to explain and she was like i'm not too sure i was like just try it for like 10 minutes um which just makes it a bit of a harder thing to sell because like before we've played games like mashikoro or even imperial settlers is like a bit um it's a bit nerdier let's go with um but at least it's something that's like it's got really cute artwork it's quite funny ethnos is very po-faced and it just looks like someone's tried to rip off Lord of the Rings a bit. It's not like when you look at the box, you don't go, "Oh, this looks like an interesting game." You go, "Oh, this is just another game about elves." Great. <laughs> yeah, I had that. I tried to. I played uh, what's uh, Resistance Avalon with my family. Yeah. It's like right, so we're all knights at the Arthurian court. And yeah. A whole load of weird looks, and they're like, "What?" Yeah. Like you yeah. just proposed LARPing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they've they've played enough games with me now that it's 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 less of an issue. But I can I can imagine that um, if I was to introduce it to like some of my other friends, they'd be like, "Really, Navi? This seems like a bit dire." I'm like, "No, but it is good. It is good. I promise." <laughs> um, like I tried to show it to my girlfriend, she was like, "Yeah, I'm not sure this one's for me." And I'm like, "No, but it's a fun game. Please, just <laughs> just give it a go. I promise." It's the Wargamer's Curse. It's fun, I swear. I promise you it's fun. Just yeah. play it. <laughs> Just try it for ten minutes if you don't like it, alright? I'll rub your feet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. This it, fun um... is mandatory. It's mandatory that you enjoy this fun. Yeah, yeah. It just makes it a harder sell, I think. I don't yeah. think... I think it could easily have just... I, I genuinely think if they just rethemed it as, like, Romans or something like that, or ancient civilizations or something else. It could have been... It could have just been anything. It could be, like, districts in this town or, or, or a city or something it just it doesn't need to be fantasy none of the bits to it are like oh i can see why it has to be fantasy for this it's like for like the powers of things like elves let you hold cards in your hand because you know <laughs> elves are notorious for letting you hold on to your cards rather than oh yeah because the thing i didn't explain actually blur was whenever you play a band or a set you have to put every other card in your hand into the general display so everyone else can then take the things that you didn't use so, elves, for example, let you hold on to however many cards you... Say you played a band of three, you get to hold on to an extra three cards in your hand rather than putting them all down in front of everyone to elves pick from. are famous for their incredible grip strength. Exactly. They crush a coconut with their yeah. bare, pale hands. Yeah. Between their pointy chins exactly. and <laughs> supple necks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's, that's, it's a bit of a shame, but... Um, I still, it's still a really good game, and it's still one of those like, it's if if it had a different theme, it'd be like such a perfect gateway game to get people into board games because it's so simple, and the turns are like so quick. They're like, because all you do is draw a card or play a set. That's literally it. That there's no downtime. There's no like pontificating over what your move's going to be. Really, you you've got two choices. That's it. But within that, there is so many like. So what am I going to pick? How big? How how long am I going to wait to play a set? Where am I going to play that set? Am I going to um, use this Minotaur for its race or its location? It's uh, there's a lot of choice in between that, but it's because it's so quick, it's really good. It could easily have been like a ticket to ride sort of like 
like introductory experience, but instead it rooted itself in fantasy instead, which was a shame. Sounds like very like stodgy fantasy as well. Like it is, it is. It's not I, even. I feel... People are almost inherently more open to stuff. I don't know, like, even if it was a like space, like a space thing, maybe. Like, yeah, cause maybe. people can deal with funny looking aliens, but like, if you, yeah. if it's like, oh, here's a, here's fucking like off brand, you know, like little Gandalf and like a woman <laughs> in a metal bikini and a fucking like a mermaid, people are gonna be like, ah, suck it. Yeah, there's like yeah, merfolk. I think there's wing folk. Little my brother was like, "That's <laughs> you stupid. will just... not get through." Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. My 15 year old brother is like, wing folk. They're just crows, and like they're holding a spear. But I get your point. They are just like pretty generic. Like boring. that picture of a crow with a knife. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway, George, you play something that's got a much more interesting theme. I've been playing lots of two really nice looking games actually. So I was playing uh I played Fury of Dracula for the first time. Oh, do tell. I've always wanted to play this. It is very good fun. So there are a couple of editions. Uh and it was a game it's a hidden movement game in which four of you are the protagonists of Dracula. Uh uh there is What are the Lord, names of the protagonists? Lord Godoming, uh John Seward, the do- I think Dr. John Seward, uh Van Helsing and I Mr. Stakes. It was Mr. No, Stakes. um Matt, oh, I've forgotten her name. M something. It's really bad because mistake. I can't. No. <laughs> M Note Shyamalan. I can't. I can't just describe her as the woman because that's horrible and awful. And I yeah, wasn't expecting um, to remember any of the names. I was genuinely just poking fun at it. I was just, um, impressed. I, I think she's she, she's quite an important. I think she's. I think she's the one that gets bewitched by Dracula in the book, but doesn't die. Right. I. I don't know. I've um, not read the book. I'm honest. She's she's quite cool, which is a very cool power. Um, cool. I just haven't done her the courtesy for actually remembering her name because I'm useless. Uh, but yeah, so you four so four four players are vampire hunters, and um, so you and you have this beautiful map of Europe that's kind of gothic, and uh, you kind of you have all the, all the towns and rail sort of or roadways and railway lines that connect everything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then you have the fifth player who is Dracula, and they start somewhere on the board. But you don't know where because they Dracula isn't visible on the board and moves in secret by playing cards face down that kind of show his group movements. So he'll play a card that will say like Berlin, then he'll go to Strasbourg, and so that you have like a face down row of cards which show his kind of travel itinerary as he interrails around Europe. Um, Dracula's <laughs> travel Instagram, yeah. <laughs> basically, and. So you the the vampire hunters have to move around from place to place and essentially hunt for him so they can move into a city and they get to find out whether Dracula's been there or not, which he'll. So basically, his Instagram is only is only six photos long, as it were. So when every time he takes in, once he's put six places down, they start to fall off the track and go back into his hand. So Dracula has a deck of every location in Europe. And so he plays the first card face down, which is where he starts, and then right. he plays the next one. In the way is it like so you have the sort of the where he currently is slot where he was one move ago where he was two moves ago yeah got you and then once it moves and basically you only ever have the six most recent moves and then they fall off that slot go back into his hand and he's then able to move there again right and so you can go into a city and then he has to reveal whether or not one of the face down cards is that city in which case you know that he had, he was there recently is there a lot of like at the beginning is there just a lot of 
Try yeah, so the, at the start, you're like, kind of I, bit, you, have, well, you have no information, and it's just a case of running wildly around trying to find where he was. Yeah. Uh, because Dracula wins by either running out the clock, um, so after a certain amount of time, or when he visits the city, he can leave behind little vampire babies, and if he gets a certain and... number of vampires to maturity, so he kind of builds up a vampire following, okay. then he also wins. How many spaces does he have to choose from? Because I feel like there's it could quite... It's it's a it's a reasonable sized map. Like he can he can yeah he uh, you can run around. And Dracula also has some powers, so he can do like a double move or make it look like he moved, but he actually stayed in place right. or um, healed and stuff. And it's so I've played one other hidden movement game, which is uh, Lester and Whitechapel, and that is you are all the police trying to hunt Jack the Ripper as he yeah. goes on his killing spree. And that game also looks absolutely gorgeous, and it has the kind of this sort of Victorian map of Whitechapel. Mm. but it is a very dry hardcore deduction game yeah. where if you are not at like on like peak sort of thinking capacity <laughs> you'll make one mistake and then you'll just jack will just get away yeah whereas fury is far more of like an adventure game so you're right, kind of because okay. you gather up tools you get weapons because once you find dracula you then have you then have a fight with him and you're trying to kill him, and he can kill, kill or wound you so that you go back to hospital. Right. Um, oh, okay. So, Dracula and so can't... part of it is kind of gearing up, getting ready for the fight. Yeah. Um. And each character has their own special ability. Like the doctor can have people heal better. Cool. Uh, Van Helsing lets you trade cards across Europe, which is really useful. So usually you can only trade um, certain cards if you're in towns together. Um, the woman whose name I'm still really <laughs> Should we just forget. look her up? <laughs> yeah, I feel really bad. Um, she, she's really powerful, so she can meet up with someone else and then basically discover whether or not Dracula is in a region. So Europe is into a couple of regions. So like France is one region, England another. And basically if he's in the same region as you, he has to reveal himself. Um, there we are. Mina Harker. Mina Sorry, Harker. Mina Harker. That's your name. Yeah, that's really bad. She's really cool, basically. She beats she hears the Dracula's back. Because uh, I think it's set the 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 plot of the game is set like ten years after they defeat Dracula for the first time, ah. and then they get word that he's stirring. So she, her, her plot line is like she tucks the kids into bed, tells her husband to, what you know, watch the house, and she like mm. puts all the whole load of steaks in her bag and kind of rushes out, uh, into Europe, kind of Buffy style to go kill him, kind of get yeah. everyone else on board. Yeah, if Ethnos um, is like thematically barren, this looks gorgeous. The board is yeah, lovely. and that's the thing. Like... like so. With Lester Whitechapel, it is very intense and best played as like a, what like almost like a sort of head-to-head kind of battle of wits mm. between two players because if you you can play Lester Whitechapel with a player controlling each individual policeman that you have, but because yeah. each individual policeman does so little, I see. It develop, it's far more becomes like a communal moving all policeman at once, and then it's really easy for people to yeah. become less involved and quarterbacking is a real problem. Mm. I suppose and in this is that you've got an individual character that like yeah, and you equipment can and you stuff. can still end up with the same thing in this. Like everyone is usually is chatting about how everyone should move, but yeah, because yeah, that's fair enough. You because you have a proper character and you you feel a little bit more unique and you know you've got a little your own power to use. Mm. Uh, and there's more adventure to it. So if you don't cat like clues will surface thanks to the game that will reveal, give you an idea as to where Dracula is right. so that you can begin to hunt him down. Um, 
yeah, and it's just a, it's kind of a really fun fun romp, and you as you kind of buy train tickets to kind of speed up your journey, and Dracula can go into Eastern Europe where the trains are worse, so you travel slower by train. <laughs> Is it true that Dracula will not travel on the train though? Dracula can't take the train though. Just... He can only take the road. Is I suppose that's like Dracula doesn't trust trains or like <laughs> the ticket barriers are like you're not a person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they'll have fucked reason? me one too many times. Play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, something. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like trains for, for whatever reason. <laughs> Dracula would not travel by train. Uh, and it's really also you have. Well, yeah, so basically the game takes place over three weeks, and so right. you have basically each turn. Each turn is. You have day, then night. You have Monday night. Mon- you have Monday, then Monday evening. Right. And during the day, all of the hunters get to move. Yeah. Uh, and then take an action. And then during the night, they can't move. They can just take an action wherever they've ended up. Right. And Dracula moves at the start of each night. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you kind of chase each other around the board. And yeah, it was really good fun. I was playing Van Helsing. Um, and I was... I contributed to the team by basically we narrowed Dracula down to had been doing like a sort of run around giving us the bamboozle in Germany mm. and then he kind of, when then we were pretty certain he'd fled into Eastern Europe so everyone rushed into Eastern Europe um, and I was like well I might as well just back check kind of just to make sure he hadn't gone west into kind of Amsterdam Belgium and, and everyone was like yeah we all got, we've got to make sure uh, he hadn't we were right they'd gone into Eastern Europe but it then meant I was so far off from the group that by the time I ended up just essentially sending moral support to the team who <laughs> fought Dracula while Van Helsing kind of inj- had a nice time in Venice. <laughs> he's there just getting high in Amsterdam. That's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, he, he, had a, he had a lovely Checking time. Checking out the mushroom brief, brief, Briefly in Amsterdam and then finished the game kind of <clears throat> taking a gondola ride in Venice while everyone else <laughs> did mortal combat with the master of the undead. It's kind of like, well... I need to be here just in case he manages to slip away and <laughs> kind of get round. And I wanted to come, but I literally couldn't. There was no point in me. I couldn't move fast enough to get there in time. So no. I ended up. Just, it was just better for me to stay where I was. I can imagine that, like when they after they've had the battle, and it's like it's like, oh okay, yeah, how's it going? And they're just like bloody and wounded. And it's like, oh my god, you should try this cafe down the street. It has the best coffee. And like they're like. Not all of us survived this. <laughs> I'm missing an arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. Just kind of very thematic. But yeah, it's a really good time with it. I'm. I think I'm. Gonna, I'm really keen to play again and tr- try being Dracula. Yeah, it must um, be really different depending. But on apparently, so that's the third edition, and apparently in the second edition, um, which uh, one of my big group is bringing Dracula is a lot more powerful um, in like the right. night stage okay. so you get a far more big role reversal of like during the day the hunters have the power mm. trying to hunt him and then you kind of get the a flip where suddenly the hunters have to run away as Dracula becomes really powerful again it's one of those games that was like insanely expensive until fantasy yeah I remember, I remember hearing about it. it and being like that sounds really cool and then it was like oh it's like 200 a... pounds yeah Ooh. because there, cause it was I think it because it was originally produced by Games Workshop I think it was a Games Workshop licensed game yeah and then it became really hard to find and then ffg picked up the license and produced a third edition which is lovely but then of course they recently split ways with games workshops and now fewer directors going out of print 
again. So it's going to be, yet again, really hard to find. But I'm hoping that... Well, actually, they've got... Leicester Whitechapel is also a um, an FFG game. And they've announced another game in the Whitechapel series. Right. So I'm hoping that they take a lot of the stuff that they had with your Dracula and put it into Leicester Whitechapel. Oh, cool. Um, that was really fun. And I also played Splendor, which is very different, which is a victory point gathering game where you're a, I think you're like a jewel merchant. Yeah. It's not really clear what the theme is. You're, you're, I you think you have is, something yeah. to do with jewels. Yeah, you're a jewel and merchant. And you're gathering sure, jewels and you're trying to attract various powerful people yeah. from the 16th century. Yeah, you're like, look at all my jewels, boys. I see they, they probably give you patronage or something. Yeah, they're like, that guy has all the jewels. I like him. Yeah, and so you're, it's the first of 15 victory points. And basically yeah. you get points by... Basically more, you, more expensive turn, jewels yeah. are worth more points. So there's three rows of jewels or mines or whatever laid out in front of you. And you on your turn you can either buy a thing or you can take some really nicely weighted poker chips that represent the different jewels. So you just like, So if you want to buy a jewel card it might be like this jewel card costs three green jewels and two blue jewels and a white jewel. Yeah. And so at the start of the game your only way of having jewels is just by taking poker chips. And then as you buy jewel cards it will have a little jewel printed on it, which means you have to pay one less for that jewel. And so yeah. as the game gets going you've got a little engine of jewels where you're, you know, you only need like you don't need to pay anything, and then so you can afford more expensive cards, and more expensive cards will give you points as well as having a coloured jewel printed on them that makes cards. Basically, you get a better and better engine that lets you afford more and more expensive cards. Yeah. And once you collect certain sets of cards, then you attract the patronage of a, a famous 16th century person. Like Henry VIII, he's yeah. well into his brown jewels, Henry VIII. Catherine de Medici, I think, was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth first shows up. Yeah. Oh, the other thing you can do is you can just pick up a card and put it in your hand so that no one else takes it. And then you also take and ran a, a wild gold uh, token as well. It's a, it's a really nice object, is um, yeah, Splendor, because all the, all the famous people are all like really nice thick cardstock, and all the jewel tokens are really nicely weighted poker chips. That There's this nice clat whenever you pick stuff up and you put stuff down. And it's another game that has like a really nice pace to it. Like, it's yeah, constantly it's, being your, your turn, turn is, again. It's is, so is very quick. It's just a case of I'm taking two red jewels or I'm buying that. You know, and so it goes. It whips around the table really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really I was terrible does. at it. I was really bad. It's one of those games that if someone knows how to play, they will demolish you because <laughs> they. It's uh, a really one, interesting the... puzzle that, like, I think because you know sort of the. Uh, not only because not all the all the jewel places cost the same amount, so one might cost seven and one might cost six. Or so, being able to plan ahead as to what you're going to do and when, how, where you're going to buy stuff and the order that you're going to do it in, I think is really yeah, important. Splendor. That's the thing. That's the thing you get with board games is the is the thinking ahead aspect, yeah. which I had. Uh, and so you know when you're 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 playing a game and you start to and in your head you're kind of a couple of turns ahead of where you already are. Yeah. And you're kind of in that, like, oh, okay, well, I'll play, and you've got this plan, and you've got a sequence of events laid out in your head. Yeah. And then, because you're you're kind of, I don't know, I do this, where I kind of daydreaming, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm a couple of, like, I'm one or two moves ahead of where I should be. But then, I mess up, because I forget where I am in the game, and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not three moves ahead, I'm 
here. And so you, I made a really stupid mistake. Or I had when I was playing Splendor. So when you reserve a card, um, yeah, you, you pick it up and you don't get it. But it just means only you can buy it. Yeah. And I remember like thinking out this, like having this plan laid out. And I was like, <laughs> right, I'll get that card. I'll get this. And I can't remember what exactly what the plan was. Because I remember being so certain of an action. Came around to my turn. I was like, right, well, on my turn, I'm going to reserve this card. Might have passed. And then I, spent, and then I stared at the card. And I could not for the life of me remember why I had chosen to reserve this card. Because I couldn't afford it. I was nowhere near being able to afford it with any of the collection of gems that I was at, like, cards that I already had. Yeah. But, like, seconds before I had been so sure that I needed to take that card. <laughs> and I picked it up I was like, why, why did I take this card? <laughs> you played it's some kind of master plan. Yeah, it's the thing, it's... It, like you talk about thinking turns ahead, and you it, it almost it sounds quite intelligent, but yeah, I think it strikes a, a good balance between. I'm just kind of bubbling my way through. Yeah, no, I think Splendor strikes a really good balance between reacting to what's just happened because um, the board state can change quite quickly, um, and also planning ahead because it's quite easy in Splendor to just sort of get like really zoned in on what you're doing and forget what other people's kind of what their their gem workshops or whatever is are looking like and yeah that's that's probably yeah because you can because the game it goes around the table so quickly you've got your mm. plan you're only thinking about your plan all three people take their turns you don't you haven't seen this like change in board state so you come back to keep do your plan you're still operating on this alternate timeline yeah and then you're like oh the wait three other people haven't taken their actions and then suddenly you're like oh hang on i can't do this anymore what what was i thinking oh my god i've invested in gems that i don't think i can afford anymore <laughs> um but yeah no, it's, it's really good to blend in it also has i don't want to say a really good app game but like an okay one um, okay yeah because we we played one game and i think three of us hadn't played before yeah Actually, two of us hadn't played before um it was it was pretty quick, and they were like, "That was really fun. Let's have another. Let's just have another game." We yeah. played that one really quickly, and it was yeah, it was nice because it was really quick. It was four players and really easy to pick up. Yeah, it's a, it's alright. It, like I said, it's it's a good phone game version of it. It's not a bad option, but it doesn't have the same because it's such a tactile game. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't playing it on your phone. So, um, but it's still good. Yeah. So if you if if you want to play Splendor, but you don't have anybody around to play it with the phone version's not bad that's what i'm gonna go with they just can't quite recreate launching your dosh about no it's yeah. like really it's nice like you get to, you get to feel a little bit like james bond kind of just like flicking poker chips yeah, yeah instead of uh instead of picking up like a ten thousand pound chip you're like i got me a ruby <laughs> it's not quite the same but yeah yeah it's good it's really good splendor though it's a really solid game it's quite cheap as well i think it's only like 20 quid good podcast should we wrap up there well yeah we've run out of things on the list um and i think it would be bad to try and improvise anyway right thank you very much listening to the uh bits and pieces podcast uh thank you for listening, if, yeah. if you have stumbled across this without seeing the website you can also read some awesome articles about I me mean, metro as you mentioned before george wrote a cool thing about player unknowns battleground and i wrote a thing recently about why she played the witch 3 on death march but yeah they're all really cool and there'll be lots more to come uh that you can find all that at bitsandpieces.games because we're a cool new site with like an awesome new url it wasn't that we just couldn't get 
a normal dot something name. No, it, it definitely wasn't that. <laughs> definitely wasn't the reason why nope. we went with dot games. And By all the things. way, if if anyone has any information on the uh, the owner of uh, bitsandpieces.co.uk, just just fax me it. Yeah, I, I can promise we have, you. We, I mean, we we have his address. We found it. Oh, it's just that he's been sitting on it since. All right, okay, okay. So yeah, but he's not. He's not left an email address. How do we arrange a murder? Like, if, if <laughs> well, anyone's been playing Hitman, he knows about all this oh, stuff. If anyone can do uh, it, well, I think it involves. I have to, I'll have to ask. I'll leave his taps on. Yeah, and, <laughs> and find some a coins through his window to distract him. Yeah, and find a cannon that's not working and refurbish it. Make that's... it look like an accident. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bits and pieces dot games. And you can also find us on on Twitter. You can find us on on Instagram. You can, yes, you can... uh, I think we are bits plus pieces on Twitter, and we, we are. are those bits and pieces on Instagram. Yes, and we now have a Facebook as well, which is also those bits and pieces. So smash that like button. Yes, you smash can, you can every button. Find all those cool things for us. Yes. And uh, we're on iTunes again now, finally, after a bit of a wobble with that. If you've not already um, found us on iTunes. That is true. If, you, true. if you have found us on iTunes, you can ignore that bit, maybe. Yeah, you can still tell us how cool we are. I'm, I'm always down with that. Yeah, you can. It would really I mean, really if you stroke my ego, that's, that's always nice, because it's fragile. That's why it's the site fragile. exists, basically, isn't it? Just <laughs> yeah. a bit of an ego stroke for us. Uh, yeah. If you talking talking of stroking our egos, where can you find us individually on social media? Oh, oh yes, you can find me at Nevada Drew on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the only thing I'll actually look on. So yeah, have a look on there and say hello, and I'll be like hello. That will be really fun. Uh, I'm at underscore scruffy looking, which I realised I spent the entire of the Gamer Time podcast giving the wrong Twitter <laughs> handle. That's why so you're not famous yet. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> what were you giving? It's at Underscore. Well, I was giving at Scruffy Looking. Oh, right. At least it was similar. It wasn't like but, at. But it is, in fact, at Underscore Scruffy Looking with okay. a capital S and a capital L. Uh, mine's still quite outdated. I'm still uh, Gavin Underscore GTUK, but I'm going to gonna find a, a new one soon. You can follow me for now on that, and you'll you just. You can just change it. I, I will change yeah. it. I will change it, yeah. Yeah. But I'll just try to think of, a, try to think of something good. Because now, now I need to think of something that isn't really obvious. Gavin at BNP. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. <laughs> that's not it's not our acronym. I, yeah, it isn't. Stays well away from that. When I obviously that is why we are B ampersand. P. I, I will yes. use my. I'll use that in my alternate life as a <laughs> as a candidate for comedy party, the BNP. <laughs> so uh, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. There we go. Basically, live in the woods now.